Hello, and welcome to the Cannabis Corner. Today, we'll begin with more of our interview with Dr. Frank Lucido of Berkeley. Adam asked the doctor about skeptics and the continuing distance between some medical professionals and the potential for some serious illnesses to be lessened by cannabis strains. You know, not all physicians are accepting of cannabis as medicine. And I've heard doubts from people, and this was some years ago, saying, oh, you know, I hear that it's this panacea. It can help with, you know, Alzheimer's, dementia, AIDS, asthma, cancer, digestive issues, mood disorders, sleep, obesity, pain management, MS, seizures, um, rheumatoid arthritis, IBS, alcoholism, etc. And, and so some say, gosh, this sounds like some snake oil from back in the day, somebody coming through on their wagon and getting up, you know, and saying, hey, this will cure everything. And that's where I, as a grower, as a farmer, I go to, well, you know, there are different strains. And I found that there are, over my my many years of growing and using cannabis and helping others use it as medicine, found that there are certain strains that help with certain things, might aggravate certain things, etc. But I just get this from some doctors saying, oh, give me a break. It can't help with all these things. What's your response to that? Well, it's not surprising that one would perhaps be skeptical if one hadn't used it or listened to what the drug war people have promoted. It's hard to imagine that one thing could be good for so many things, but when you get right down to it and you realize that the endocannabinoid system controls so many things in our body that it makes more sense why it would help so many things. And we know now from scientific studies that it does help a lot of things. And some of them we learned from NIDA's funding. They funded the research that showed that it decreased intraocular pressure and could therefore help glaucoma. And the reason that they allowed that study is they wanted to see if there's some way that police could look at your eyes and see if you were stoned. And uh, they did all these studies and they found, well, it didn't really dilate their pupils like acid does and it didn't make them pinpoint like opiates did, but it did lower their intraocular pressure. So they found benefit when they were funding a study that was purported to show harm. But that's one example of the various things that it helps. If you go to PubMed, just type in P-U-B-M-E-D, you'll find the National Library of Medicine. You'll see all the studies done anywhere in the world, not just in the United States, but it's you know the U.S. Library of Medicine. And, uh, well, it's good for so many things. Uh, it's starting to sound like snake oil, and you realize that that's, that wording is right from the uh, the drug wars, you know, way of making derogatory statements toward cannabis. And when, when this one doctor said that, I pointed out, well, you know, snake oil is a derogatory statement, uh, you know, so that put him in his place, <laughs> and uh, used by the drug war people to pretend that it doesn't have any benefit. What, we, what I'm showing up here, and I pointed to the studies that were done, what we're showing here is science, not snake oil. Very well put. That quieted him down a bit. <laughs> I bet. Hi, we have Stephen on the line from Seattle. Stephen is a man who has been involved in the cannabis world for 40 years, and kind of an interesting guy to have on the Cannabis Corner. So let me ask you this. Do you find that there's a stigma in your life from being people who have a lifestyle like this? Well, absolutely. Uh, the, you know, a friend of ours who initially got us uh, turned on to smoking weed years ago had this, uh, had this little premise that if you smoked, you didn't know anybody that didn't. And if you didn't smoke, you didn't know anybody that did. Mm -hmm. And that pretty much was true. And the people who we've come across in our lifetime over the last 40 years of smoking daily, uh, who don't smoke, have a very negative attitude. Uh, except here in the Seattle area, it's a little different because of legality. But still, there's a little stigma and people hang back. So we, don't, we tend to try not to advertise unless we really know who we're with. 
Right. Have you ever had issues with lungs tightening or excessive coughing or a period in which you felt like you should stop for any reason? No. So it's been consistently helpful for you and basically harmonious. <laughs> Completely fine. We love it. We do it. We hope to do it until we die. That's all I can say. And we're very happy that it's legal. And uh, the thing that's the most upsetting thing is every time we go into the local dispensary to make a purchase, they never had what we had before. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that, That's a pretty good problem to that have, is a, Steven. That is a good gripe. But, I mean, there could be worse things. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Doctor, tell us your thoughts about a, a daily user of cannabis like Steve. Well... It's interesting. I mean, if they're using it first thing in the morning and they've been doing it for all that time and they're doing fine and they're happy, I couldn't criticize that. Generally, most people don't do it early and often unless they're newbies. Sounds like uh, when I was in college, that seemed to be a, or at least on summer breaks, not during college when I had to go to school. That was the common thing. So, um, you know, everybody's different. Some people need it. They, they may not even call it medicinal, but if they're happier that way, then I think on some level it probably is medicinal. If it's making their life less harmonious, then it could be a problem. But, you know, most people really don't have a problem with cannabis. If it seems to be problematic, they usually stop it. It's not uh, addictive in the sense that cocaine, heroin, opiates, etc. can be. So, you know, daily use is very common and normal. Using it early, uh, you know, first thing in the morning is probably less common if somebody doesn't have a medical need. But I certainly know people that have chronic pain, and they have to use it early and often because of that. So it's good that, that, that nowadays there's stronger cannabis because they don't have to use as much, or there's other ways of taking it so they don't have to smoke 10 joints a day or 20 joints a day. If that's the amount they need, they can vaporize, they can use it in edibles, they can use it other ways. And even the smoking, I don't have a, a problem like I would if there was any evidence that it caused cancer. But the studies showed that cannabis smokers had no more lung cancer than non-smokers, and in fact, had somewhat less. So it can acutely cause an aggravation of, of the of the throat and and lungs. You need to get a, you know, you can cough more if you've got a bronchitis, an acute bronchitis. You probably want to lay off smoking for a while. So that's when vaporizers come in um, handy. Um, but again, it doesn't cause emphysema or cancer, so that's good news. Is there a sense when you hear how long he's been doing it in your mind that he will be one of these people that does not have to worry about Alzheimer's? Or is that too broad a statement? That's probably a broad statement just because I don't think we know enough. I hope that's the case because this past few months makes 50 years that I first used it. You know, I was a freshman in college, 1966 to 1967 school year and my second semester. Uh, it was my first smoke of cannabis, and so that was uh, by January or February of 67. So now it's been 50 years. You know, I'm 69 years old. You know, I've got the average illnesses that somebody 69 years old have, but I'm still active and still practicing medicine and uh, made it through the rest of college uh, and medical school. So I don't have a concern about somebody that's used it and is in a happy uh, relationship and doing fine after 35 years. Kudos to you, doctor. That's a great story. And I know that it's interesting when I began my cannabis use at 15. And I thought, why is it that I'm being told this is wrong when the way that it interacted for me is I felt more balanced and at peace. And I actually credit cannabis with 
me staying in school for as long as I did for, you know, getting my college degree and getting a master's degree at all. It helped me a great deal. I, I suffer from a number of ailments, ADD being one of them. And I think that was finding the right strains to help me really did help me and to focus and to uh, keep on with my studies. And I thought, I'm not understanding why this is illegal, why this is bad. So something I know within me said, this is working for me. I, I can't speak for, for everybody, but it works for me. And I kept it in the equation throughout my life. And I'm 48. So you started imbibing a year before I was born. Mm -hmm. and, and for somebody like me, I know that gives me great hope and makes me feel positive about the decision, at least as far as cannabis. But I do have another question, which is, are you familiar with people, you know, juicing and using it, uh, using it as whole plant medicine? Um, yeah, I have a number of patients that say they use it that way. I can't argue with juicing. I mean, chlorophyll is fine. When people that are talking about juicing often are talking about juicing the leaf. The buds are where the cannabinoids are. There's there's no cannabinoids in the leaf. Right. That's what I'm talking about is whole plant juicing. So you're talking about the buds? Yes. Yes, like fresh buds and leaves and fan leaves and everything. Yeah. I'm not a big believer in more is better. You know, I think basically when you talk about juicing, it all seems to come back to one person. A lot of people talk about it, but they all seem to quote one person whose name I'm not going to mention. But personally, I think uh, who can argue with chlorophyll? I mean, you know, wheatgrass, juicing wheatgrass was popular fat at Esalen back in the 70s. I don't know if anybody's doing that now. Personally, I sometimes think it's a convenient fiction to allow people to have pounds and pounds of marijuana around. But bless them if it helps, but I don't think there's any evidence that drinking lots of juices uh, from cannabis help. But um, it certainly can't hurt. So there probably haven't been studies done on that, I'm guessing, right? I'm sure there hasn't. The research is uh, behind, even though we're learning so much lately. And that is an interesting discussion about more being more, less is more. Here, in a world where you're dealing with the elderly who are trying to figure out something better for themselves than chemicals, less is certainly more. I'd like a CBD. I don't even want to be high. I don't want munchies. I want the harmony without the psychoactive result. Adam, did you have something else? Yeah, I, I did have one more question, which is I was wondering if it's crossed your mind as to any future applications, medical applications for cannabis that we're not aware of right now. Anything in your thought process as a physician as to, oh, you know, it might help with this ailment. I'm just wondering if there's anything we don't know that maybe you're thinking of. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. The very fact that we have our own endocannabinoid system and, and this can be a supplement. Yeah, it could very well be because even if we don't have Alzheimer's, it does seem to have some neuroprotective properties. So I don't think it reverses Alzheimer's, but it may slow it down. The same thing with other neurologic diseases. There's evidence. We've not really done studies on patients with ALS. But a lot of the different problems that ALS people have can be slowed down with cannabis use. So it does have some neuroprotective properties. So I think we're going to find more and more that, you know, it might decrease their chances of having strokes or after a stroke might decrease the damage done, may slow down multiple sclerosis progression, ALS, etc. Thank you very much for your time. And your language and sensitivity to this is invaluable to our purpose. I hope you will join us again sometime down the road, because I think we're all discovering this in real time. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Dr. Frank Lacido out of Berkeley, uh, a cannabis uh, physician, and um, really appreciate your help. Yeah, thank you so much, Dr. Lacido. Appreciate it. We'll be right back on The Cannabis Corner. 
Soham Living Soils, developed in southern Humboldt, California, perfected in northern Colorado. Our mix, your water, incredible results. The flavor is in the mix. Soham Living Soil is handcrafted by growers for growers to provide a true living biodynamic for container growing indoors and outdoors. Just add water. No need to pH your water or mix nutrients. From seed or rooted clone to harvest, Soham is the future of cultivation. And now, more of our interview with Tim Gordon, president of CBDRX, who is a frontrunner in the growth of cannabis as medicine. Tim, we've been hearing so much about the possibilities beyond pharmaceutical use for people. Can you talk about that? The possibilities are crazy. Yeah, you know, we focus on a variety of dietary supplement lines, but we also do products for the pet industry. What we call waste is another stream of commerce for another company in the hemp industry. So we provide you know, what we call waste. After we've done our extraction and infusation process, our hemp is then used for pelletization for the pet and livestock industry. That's fascinating. Talk about sustainability. Sustainable. Yeah, yeah. In your world, have you've obviously seen patients. You had mentioned one that you knew who had cancer. In your world, is there a surge in the elderly benefiting from this non-psychoactive vitamin, as it were? Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that. You know, I was uh, recently back home with my father, new to my product line, older gentleman. Um, he's had a variety of surgeries, and he says, yeah, Tim, I played the best game of golf I ever played. I was calm. I was smooth. You know, in the elderly community, while it's still maybe the missed taboo, you know, feel of cannabis, we are seeing some more general interest and some more benefits of cannabis therapy, especially in the elder folks who've really never experienced anything. So it's really like a, probably a comfortable entry point for a lot of people because there is no psychoactive nature to uh, CBD products. So that's interesting. Not only Now, what about children? Children, absolutely. You know, I say in confidence, I use cannabis like a fish oil every day. I mean, my, my family does too. My kids do. But yeah, you know, you see some of the research about folks coming to Colorado specifically maybe for their kids are have some kind of affliction to seek cannabis therapies and the benefits of it. Cannabis has now broken the realm of stoner into functional naturopathic medicine, and it's being widely accepted that way. I'd like to say to anyone listening that we'd love to talk to a family. We know families that have moved to Colorado they weren't even cannabis users, but their children had a medical issue that required it, got out of town, got away from the stigma, found themselves in a community where there really is no stigma. There's law and regulation, but the stigma's lifted. It's a big deal for a family who wants to help their child with a variety of very severe illnesses. We'd love to talk to a family, any members, dad, mom, and the child too. Um, Adam, do you have any other thoughts, uh, questions for Tim? Yeah, I do. Um I've known you for a while, Tim. One of the fascinating things to me about you is also just your background. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Because you're not like some kid who grew up just smoking weed. And Yeah. Uh, can you just tell us a little bit about your background and how you got here? Yeah. Um, you know, this uh, cannabis has been in my family and my blood. It was introduced to me when I was in high school. You know, I uh, started my first, I guess, apprenticeship then under the realm of family members. So when you say that, and where did you grow up? I'm a Canadian. Right. So you are so you grew up in Canada, and so your family was farming cannabis? We, uh, yeah, in a sense, we were farming cannabis, uh, not so large scale, but, uh, you know, more of a boutique farm. So did you learn growing skills there growing up? 
Yeah, basically, it was more of uh, you know the I call it cannabis grunt work right now. Uh, you know, right. l- learning transplanting and and what to do. You know, how to properly carry buckets and stuff like that. And and what was your how was your family using cannabis back then? What time period? When was this? This would have been you know through the mid eighties on till um, I moved out to the United States. So. Okay, so you'd produce your cannabis. Were you just smoking it? Were you making teas? Were you making butter? Were, it was used for a variety of of those of those uh, you know uh, medicinal aspects. You know, both mm-hmm. for inhalation and and for food preparation and stuff like that. That's great. So from there, um, you know, I came out here, was able to put myself through horticulture science school. Um, really apply my skills there in the cannabis industry. And I really started focusing on how to optimize the specific aspects, the beneficial aspects like we talked about of the plant and ways to really influence health in the end product. I mean, it's such a wonderful journey. I have pictures of my kids, you know, from back in my dispensary grow to now they're sitting on the back of a three-row planter planting hemp plants and as ten and twelve year olds and it's 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 amazing just to bring up another generation in the in the cannabis industry. The evolution of it all can be seen in your family's chronology. As as someone steeped in this industry, what advice would you give to somebody who is looking to get into this industry? How would you recommend because this is so new to so many people how do you how would you recommend people try to get a foot in the door sure on the business side there's many opportunities here and folks need to seize these opportunities that are arriving in our cannabis industry as it flourishes across the country here whether it are products growing bud tenders legal cpas you you name it there's definitely a need as this industry explodes I encourage folks to reach out to national organizations. There's the Marijuana Business Organization. There's the National Hemp Association. There's the Hemp Industry Association. Those folks are great and plethoras of information that they can disseminate down and say, here, here's who's hiring. Here's what kind of jobs are available and stuff like that. Contact your national industries. Even Normal right now has a great website for posting. It's great. We've come a long way from when things first started. Can you believe it? I mean, exactly. You know, almost an underground, still feeling like a criminal. And now we are posting jobs on Indeed, you know, bringing college professors in as medical directors to your teams. It's amazing how this industry is blossoming. It's incredible, the aspect of going from criminal behavior, the way that fake news might find its way streaming across the country, all the way to something that can be so beneficial and perhaps cheaper and not have so many side effects. And whether you know it or not, this is not something you can OD on. And there are all types of people who have the right to feel better after young America's mistakes made and in which um, hemp and cannabis was placed in the doghouse to the level that in 2017 there are people with all sorts of ailments that would be considered a criminal if they were to find this medicine in their locale. But here we are in Colorado with a man like Tim Gordon, like a man like Farmer Adam Teitelbaum, and it's time to open your ears and eyes in the way that you do when you know you've been told something false through the media or in something you've read. Tim Gordon, president of CBDRX, We are so grateful to have you and also would love to have you back uh, to see where this is headed. It feels like it's only headed in a positive direction. Yeah, and I want to say uh, thank you to Tim because Tim is a brother in this, and I know how much you've sacrificed, how much your family's had to sacrifice for this industry to get to this point. It's, It's taken passion, dedication, and conviction 
from people like you to be in the trenches and get us to the point where we've come from out of the shadows to just like you said, posting jobs on LinkedIn, Indeed, wherever it is. And there's a plethora of jobs in this industry, whether it's directly or an ancillary industry. It's it's amazing. And uh, I thank you for your contributions. Yeah, uh, gentlemen, thank you guys. People say, man, isn't this stressful, the cannabis world and blah, blah, blah. I said, no, no, it's the cannabis lifestyle. And it's it's so ingrained in me. I feel like I've tried to get away at times, like you run away from your parents and then somehow you're always drawn back. And it's a uh, it's just an amazing journey and it truly a blessing to be to be associated with this plant. Thank you so much, Tim. Thank you, Joyce. Hey, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for being with us. And we'll see you next time on the Cannabis Corner. That's a wrap. <laughs>